Welcome to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. As we get into the Word of God with one another, and I was kind of thinking in this month, you know, again, where do we want to go? What are the things we want to say? God, what are you doing with us as a church? And how do we get from A to B to C? And then I'm already kind of revved up for next month, because next month I'm going to be talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I know that we've heard that term, but it's really going to be fleshed out throughout the month. And fleshed out isn't only we're here to be preached to. Fleshed out means we are going to put ourselves underneath the funnel of the Holy Spirit's power. I want us to come every week, not only next week and the week after, but I want us to learn to become receivers and givers of the presence of God. We can only give out from that which we receive from the Father. Jesus showed that in his life. And so as we kind of move forward, I want us to be carriers of the anointing. That is my heart for us as a people. Now today, I want to get us there. And so the title of the sermon this morning is, Stop Skirting Round This Mountain. Can you get that one in your head? She'll be riding six white horses when she comes. Stop skirting around this mountain when you come. Because I believe the kingdom of God is about moving forward. Come on. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as being stuck in the mud. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as living in yesterday. In the kingdom of God, there is only one reality, and that is today, and that are the things that God is about to do. And what that should require from each and every one of us is an attitude of openness, expectation, and full surrender. Lord, here I am. Whatever you want to do, however you want to speak, Lord, speak to me so that I can leave here different. I don't know about you, but there is not a Sunday that I come into this place thinking, let me leave the same way I came in. I want to leave better. I want to leave wiser, more compassionate, more healed, more delivered, more ready for what God has in store for me. As God began to speak to the people of Israel, he was moving them out of 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Picture being on a 40-year detour. If you think Gilligan's Island was bad, a three-hour tour, these people were on a 40-year tour detour for what was supposed to be a three-day journey. And God began to prepare their hearts for the newness of what he was about to do. He was about to take them from slaves to wanderers, to conquerors. I like that one. From slaves, to wanderers, to conquerors. Bethel, we're moving. From slaves, to wanderers, to conquerors. Let's look at the word of God and then we're going to pray. Deuteronomy 2.3. He says, the fateful words which craft this sermon, you have skirted this mountain long enough, turn northwards, meaning get moving, giddy up, 
Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we understand that in our own strength and in our own being, we can do nothing. Like Jesus prayed, I can do nothing without the Father. Lord, we acknowledge that this morning. We can do nothing without you. Lord, we need your touch today to take us from slaves to wanderers to conquerors, to more than conquerors. And so we're asking that you illuminate the word today. We're asking, Lord, that you anoint our hearts today to receive And we ask that you transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we are able to do all that you ask us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. After God spoke to the people of Israel and told them to stop skirting around the mountain and that it was time to move northwards, meaning it is time to go into the promised land and conquer the very place that God told them he would give to them. He was prepping his people for the mission at hand. As Moses began to speak to the people of Israel, that time period in Deuteronomy is called the Sermon on the Plain. Very reminiscent of what Jesus does in the New Testament as he's prepping people for the work of the kingdom of God. Like Moses, Jesus prepped the people that would be the people of the new covenant. He was prepping their hearts for what God was about to do. Moses not only spoke of the attitude and the posture of the heart, but he spoke about physical, forward-moving action that was about to bring the people of Israel all that their hearts desired and then some. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Verses 2 through 5, we see the very promise that lay ahead for the people of Israel. No longer were they meant to just wait around that mountain, but they were meant to go into the land that God had promised them. Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 5, he says to the people of Israel, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, And your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. Church, it is time. Come on. If we believe that New England is our goal, that God is calling us as Bethel, New England, to reach the people of New England. And let's not even make it that far. If we believe that God is calling us to reach our families and our friends, the people that we work with, the people that live in our neighborhood, a change needs to take place. And that change is not a change of a church. That change is not a change of structure. That change is a change within the heart of each and every one of us here. 
that we need to be willing to let the Lord get into the deep recesses of our heart and life, of our mind, our emotions, and even in our bodies so that we get moving, so that he can do the work that he desires to do. In order to stop skirting around the mountain, there are things that are mentioned in this text that I want to highlight to you today. One of the biggest hindrances that I see in the body of Christ that keeps many of us from moving to the place of wanderer, to the place of victor or conqueror, is that sometimes we get stuck at the roundabout of humility. I loved it when I lived in Europe. I am someone, I am the absent-minded professor. Youngest child, sat in the back of the car. I waited an extra year to get my driver's license. I really didn't feel like driving. I would be one of those people, if it were up to me, I would have a chauffeur take me wherever I wanted to go. I know there are people that love to drive. I don't. And so in Europe, when I would miss an exit, one of my favorite things was the roundabout. And sometimes, if you saw me driving in Europe, you would see my little car going around and around and around because I missed my exit and I kept getting disoriented. And some of us, we hide behind the guise of what I refer to as false humility. Lord, who am I? How could you choose me? How could I be the one to do this? And in that, not, we don't even have the posture of a wanderer. We have the posture of a slave. We have the posture of one who doesn't really know what it's like to be redeemed. We have the posture of one that doesn't know what it's like to truly be set free by the love of Jesus. And so we hide behind false humility. Oh, I don't want to step out in the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to step out in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to reach out to other people. You know, my ego might get a little too big. Hey, listen, Gretzky. Listen, Bird. Listen, Brady. Your reputation isn't that big yet to get so prideful. In James chapter 4, verse 10, he says as he's writing to the church, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Within the community of the church, I've seen the two polar opposites clashing with each other constantly. I've seen believers that kind of go, oh, God can never use me. Woe is me. Oh, no, not little itty bitty me. And I've seen others and they think they're the cat's meow. I'm wonderful, I'm great. And those people fly really high and they fall really hard. Come on. And I think that we don't have to be either or. We can find the right middle ground of allowing God to use us. Do you know that there is nothing wrong with wanting to be and act and talk like Jesus? Do you know that there is nothing wrong with desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit? In the scripture, it says, be envious, be jealous, covet them. Covet? Oh, no, 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 no. We're not allowed to covet. Listen, if God says don't covet one thing, but he says covet another, as long as God gives me permission, oh, I want it all. I want it all. 
And I want us to get in the posture as believers of wanting all that God desires to give us. I want us to get brutally selfish with God. I want us to get to that place that we say, God, I want all that you have for me. I've said it to you in the past, and I'll tell you again, I have had moments with the Lord that I have said to him, I am not leaving here until you do what you've got to do in my life. I am not leaving here until I see the breakthrough that I desire to see. God, I am not going to give up praying until you do the thing that I have asked you to do. Oh, we've got to get a new attitude. Come on. Oh, who am I to say that to God? Oh, God doesn't mind. Do you know God can handle you? Come on. That was the biggest problem with the people of Israel. They murmured in their tents as if God couldn't hear them. Oh, 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 I'm going to have my own opinion. I'm not going to like what God is doing in my life. And guess what? I'm not in the service. I'm in my own little tent. God, you can't hear me. I don't like this and I don't like that. No, there's only one person that can move me. That's me. Hello, dum-dum. As if God can't hear you and God can't see you. As if God doesn't know what you say in the tent. As if he doesn't know what you say when the doors are closed. Say it to him. Get in his face. Say, Lord, your word says... Lord, you can get in his face about the things that you know aren't making sense in your life and say, God, I know you want me to be here, but I am here right now. Bring me there. Don't hide behind false humility. Get off the roundabout and begin to go in the direction that you know that God is speaking to you. John Maxwell says the following. With the spirit of humility... Leaders recognize that they will fail, but that their perseverance allows them to stand back up after the fall and move forward with confidence. Humble leaders are modest about their success and make it known to everyone that their failures do not define them. Church, I would rather you fall moving forward than fall just standing where you are. Come on. We live in the society. If you don't, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That is the world that we grew up in. For many of you that grew up in the 50s and the 60s, that was the culture you grew up in. If you don't succeed, try, try again. And we are moving away from that. Oh, if you try anything, oh, you're a loser, you're stupid. I can't believe you even tried that. And what people do is you bring that in to the church. You bring it into the body of Christ. You need to learn to step out again. Oh, well, I witnessed to that person and they didn't get saved. So what? Go to the next. Oh, but I prayed for that person and they didn't get healed. Go to the next. Oh, but I had a word of prophecy and I was kind of stumbling with my word. Good. Next time, get it better. Oh, but I was leading the Sunday school class, and I didn't really know how well my story was put together. And so I kind of fumbled over the lesson. Good. Read better and try harder next time. 
We have to stop defining ourselves by our failures and learn that failing forward is better than falling backwards and doing nothing. If we need, go ahead, applaud yourselves. I'll take it. John Maxwell said the following, because I know if we say don't be humble, Christians get a little nervous with that one. So if you want to create a spirit of humility in your life, a biblical one, John Maxwell gives us four tips. He says, number one, don't think less of yourself, just think of yourself less. You get that one? Because many people, they don't think much of themselves, but they think a lot about themselves. Number two, allow yourself to fail, but know it's not the end of the world when you do. Come on. I hope you don't say things like, if you try something new and you make a mistake, oh, you're so stupid. You're an idiot. Don't go there. Number three, when mistakes are made, recognize the problem, solve it, and move forward with new knowledge. One of the biggest problems of the church is when churches try to move forward, guess what happens? Mistakes are made. When churches move forward, things fumble a little bit. They get a little bit messy. And guess what we get as the body of Christ? We get really critical. I've been in your shoes. I've been a congregant before. Still am sometimes. Recognize the problem, solve it, and move forward with new knowledge. Number four, live with the mindset that there is always something to learn from everyone. Everyone. Do you know everyone in this body is a teacher to you? Do you know you can learn from every single person in this body? Do you know how much I learn from all of you on a weekly basis? Hearing your stories, your testimonies, your prayers, your victories, and your defeats, it is such a great learning environment. Stop hiding behind you and let the Spirit of God touch you and free you. Stop skirting around the mountain of humility. It's time to move forward. The second area that we tend to stand still at that makes us wander and skirt around the mountain is the torment of testing. Who likes going through difficult times? Raise your hand. Come on. Good, good. I'm glad. We love difficulty. I want to be pressed. I want to be persecuted. I want people to get angry at me. I, I want to get demoted in my job. I want to lose my income. I, I want people to be mean to me. I want people to gossip about me. I, I want that. No one signs up for any of that. But God uses testing in our life. And the people of Israel were tested in the wilderness. God said he tested them in the wilderness. He didn't tempt them. He tested them. It says they were hungry, but God wanted to show that he was the one that would feed them. He was the one that would provide for all of their needs. And so James picks up on this in the New Testament in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. James, can we kill you right now? Consider it joy. No, no. Consider it joy when I get blessed and people talk nice about me. 
Consider it joy when we lead people to the Lord and they're all happy. Consider it joy when we have a wonderful church service. He goes, no, consider it joy on the worst day you will ever experience being a believer. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Come on. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete. In order to grow as a believer, and we want to grow, right? And sometimes I don't want to grow, but God says to me, boy, if you don't grow, you're in trouble. Growing is painful. Growing means the cutting away of things that you sometimes hold dear. Growing means letting go of habits that you have nurtured for a long time, that you have let define you. Growing means that you stop manipulating certain scripture verses that you like to use to your benefit. Growing means allowing the Spirit of God to reveal truly in your heart who Jesus is in every aspect of your life. And when he does that, it produces endurance within us. My wife and I have been talking a lot about this recently, that we see in general that people tend to lack resilience. Yeah? Someone says something mean to you, you flip out and freak out. Someone looks at you the wrong way, you flip out and freak out. You share Jesus with someone, they don't receive it right away. Like everything goes from zero to drama in 207 minutes. No, seconds. We've got to stop calibrating our hearts and our lives to be so reactionary. And we've got to calibrate our hearts and our lives to endure. Jesus says, blessed are those that endure to the end. Do you know the Christian life, like I've said a few weeks ago, it is not a sprint, it's not a marathon, it's like a decathlon. You've got to be able to shoot the arrow, ride the horse, and swim through the creek. And if you can't do those in successive order, you are not going to make it until the end. And yes, you are saved, so don't ever get me wrong, but I don't want to get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to get into heaven with the joy and the abundance and the overflow of what Jesus desires to give me. But the only place that I can ever know the true abundance is when I allow myself to be broken and tested through trials and tribulations so that the trueness of my heart and my emotions can allow themselves to be fully submitted to Christ. And that hurts. Come on. You know it. You've been there. I'm looking at your faces. It hurts. It hurts. The things we want to say, the things we want to do, the ways we want to react, it hurts to not respond out of your flesh. But thank God we get to live according to the Spirit. William Branham said the following, God doesn't tempt men, but God tries men. He tests them. God cannot tempt you, but God can test you. And every son that cometh to God must be tested or child trained before he can be a son. 
And if we can't stand chastisement, the Bible said we become illegitimate children and not the children of God. Come on. And I'm talking about family culture. When we talk about the culture of the Bible, we talk about a culture of resilience. We talk about a culture of faith. We talk about a culture of people that move forward because we believe that our God is always marching on, no matter what. We are moving upwards and forwards with Jesus. No matter when, no matter how, no matter what is going on in the world around me, though Satan buffets me on every side, though trials and tribulations come, I am marching forwards and upwards with Jesus so that the culture of my Father's kingdom defines the very actions of my life. In the modern home, there's a lot of riffraff going on. Parents don't believe it's their right to tell their children how to live. Do whatever you want, how you want, when you want. They might not say that in their words, but they say it with their actions. I want to be realistic with you guys. My wife and I have been very adamant and determined that there will be a set culture of our home. And the expectation is, is that our kids carry that out every single day. And when they do things that do not line up with the things that we want to come out of our home, guess what? We have a little talk with one another. Guess what? There are consequences associated with that. And guess how our children respond? We call it the family meeting. When we call a family meeting, they take it seriously. They gather in our bed. They gather around the couch. We say, family meeting. And that could be we're talking about something good we're going to do, or it could be talking about a behavior we want to see corrected. And when we gather for that family meeting, what we instill in our children is, this is the culture of our family. But guys, this goes beyond my house. It goes into your houses. It goes into what do you allow to happen in your life that doesn't line up with the values of the kingdom of God. It is the relationships you hold with other believers and non-believers. If there are aspects of that that do not line up with the kingdom of God, you've got to get your house in order. Because it's not the torment of testing. It is the joy of testing. But I want to be honest with you. Who in their right mind wants to go through a trial? Come on. It's like when people say, I don't want to pray for peace. I don't want to pray for patience. That's my favorite one. I don't want to pray for patience. Please do. James 1 Verse 11 says, Blessed is he who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. Why am I willing to go through all of this? Why would I allow myself to be tried and tested? Because it matters in the end. In the end, God is going to crown you with the crown of life. Heaven is not just about, again, getting in by the skin of your teeth. It is about being rewarded for being faithful till the very end. 
And if we determine today in our hearts, God, test me, try me, know my every anxious thought, that on that day that you stand before him, it is much more than well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He's going to look at people like you, buddy. I love this guy. He looks after me every week. He's one of the only people here that I know would kill for me. I'm serious. He's got the look on his face. He prays for me every week. And if someone even comes around me that looks sus, he's ready to kill them. Yeah, he's serious. But when you live a life of faithfulness at the end, he takes you and he crowns you with life and with favor. Man, there's nothing like it when Jesus rewards you. People can clap their hands. They can praise you with their words. But there is something about the moment where you stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he acknowledges you in the presence of his Father and his angels and all of humanity. And says, and now I crown you with the crown of life you have endured to the end. Ladies and gentlemen, stop skirting around this mountain. It's time to move on. And before we get away from the mountain, there's one last obstacle we need to overcome. And that is the obstacle of obedience. When Moses speaks to the people of Israel, he says, Obey the words that God has given you. Remember what God has done for you. Remember the commandments that he's spoken to you, the ten words that were given to you. Let those guide you day and night. Let his presence go before you. If he was able to deliver you from Egypt and provide for you in the wilderness, how much more is he going to help settle you into the land that he has given you? But when your life overflows, with goodness, when he's blessed you on every side, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget that your obedience needs to increase instead of decrease. And so when we look at the word of God again in James chapter 1, Verse 22 through 25, it says the following, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not only a forgetful hearer, but a doer of good works. This person will be blessed in what he does. Do you know that obedience is key? God is calling us to trust and obey. Oh, song moment. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. People, when we get into the word, it transforms us. And I don't know about you, but if you are tired of the same old, same old, change something. 
Change the way you read the word. Change the way you look at the word. But one thing that should never change is that the word of God guides you each and every day. As Moses said to the people of Israel, and as Jesus said later on to the people of Israel, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you know that the word of God is the very words of God? It is the theonoustos. It is the breath of God. The Bible you have is the very word of God. Breathe upon the pages of the scripture and illuminate it into the human heart. And yes, prophecies are great and they are wonderful. They can encourage you, edify you, and lift you up. But there is nothing that changes you like the word of God getting into your heart. And when you look at the word of God and you use it like a mirror, yes? It's a mirror, meaning sometimes you're not going to like what you see. The Spirit of God is going to bring conviction. He's going to show you ways that you need to change. But God, I'm such a good Christian. You don't know how much I've prayed, and you don't know how much I've given. You don't know how much I've volunteered and how much I've told people about you. But it doesn't matter what you do because the Word of God is there to continue to change you, to keep you moving forward. Come on. I can't live by bread alone. I can't live off of the opinions and advice of other people. It's sometimes confusing. There are so many voices in this world trying to creep in and tell you how you should define who you are, your identity, the way you act and react. But it is the word of God that should be your greatest source of identity. Elizabeth Elliot said the following, it is Christ who is to be exalted, not our feelings. We know him by obedience, not by emotions. Our love will be shown by obedience, not by how good we feel about God at any given moment. And love means following the commands of God. Do you love me, Jesus asked Peter. Feed my lambs. He was not asking, how do you feel about me? For love is not a feeling. He was asking for action. Church, stop skirting around this mountain. It's time to move on. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 10 says the following. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and springs and deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and figs and pomegranates. Are you not getting happy yet? The Italian in me is getting really happy. A land of olive oil. Come on, who doesn't want that? And honey. A land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing. A land whose rocks are iron and whose hills you will mine for copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. 
ladies and gentlemen, we're getting prepped for that land. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. Oh, man, there are so many songs I want to sing right now. I'm getting ready to leave this world. I'm getting ready for those gates of pearls, keeping my garments white. Watching both day and night, I'm getting ready to leave this world. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Come on. That is what it's about. It is not about you building a better life for you. It's not about the homes you build, the businesses you build up, the legacy of your family. It is about the honor and the glory of Jesus. It is about the kingdom that will never fade, the glory that will know no bounds, and the love that will know no end. Build your life upon Christ. Build your life upon the rock of ages. It will never falter. It will never fumble. You will live forever in glory. Come on. So what do we need to do? If we've been skirting around this mountain for a long time, and when I say that, let me be dead honest with all of you. I love this place. I love the work of faith that went into building this place. I mean this, all of this. But if this is who we are after 50 years we got to stop skirting around the mountain. Come on. I didn't come here to skirt around no mountain. I came in to lead us through the promised land. I came to point us to heaven. I came to bring others along for the ride. And what we need is a congregation of people, brothers and sisters in Christ, that no longer hide behind false humility, that no longer want to be tested and tried and corrected. I don't need brothers and sisters in Christ that are not willing to let the Spirit of God get into their hearts and allow them to obey the words and the presence of God in their life. And so we need steps, people. Martin Luther King said the following, if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you still have to keep moving forward. Come on. I've heard people say it, Pastor, I'm too old. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm too old. Do you want to die a ripe fig or a sour prune? <laughs> Come on. Oh, pastor, I'm too young. I got my whole life ahead of me. There is never a moment that you are too old or too young for the Spirit of God to do what he needs to do. 
the cry of our heart, the cry of the body of Christ should be, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, whatever you want to do, do it in my life. Lord, if you are doing a new thing, I am getting on board with where you are going. Lord, I don't want to skirt around this mountain anymore. It is time to move on. I don't want to skirt around this mountain for another 40 years. It is time to move on. In my Christian life, if I keep bucking up against the same mountain over and over and over again, God, if I keep looking for the old experiences in my Christian life to move me forward, God, I am tired of yesterday. God, I am tired of the same old, same old. God, I am declaring over my life today, today is a new day. Today is the day that I am getting my boots on and I am marching to the promised land. Today is the day that no one and nothing is ever going to hold me back from what you desire to do in my life. God, here I am. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that altar call. God, here I am. I am tired of skirting around this stinking mountain. God, I want to live in the promises of God. I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be a wanderer. I have come to be more than a conqueror. I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be a wanderer. I came to be more than a conqueror. If that is your heart this morning, why don't you stand wherever you are? Lord, I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be a wanderer. I want to be more than a conqueror. Come on. It takes something inside of you between you and the Lord. I don't want to be a slave anymore. I don't want to be a wanderer. I want to be more than a conqueror. Today is the day of letting go. Today is the day of letting go. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England message of the week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.